This is Wes Beach of the Plasmatics, and when I want to check out all things KISS, I listen to Tom and Zeus on the Shout It Out Loudcast. Kiss Army. Tom and Zeus with another episode of Shout It Out Loudcast. Episode 116. Then and now, the best of the monkeys. <laughs> Here he comes. Oh, God. Walking down the street. Oh, don't get the funniest looks from. Uh, maybe. Isn't there, there's another podcast <laughs> that will be covering that, ep- that album. <laughs> that album. <laughs> no, what are we doing this week? Oh, we're not doing. Th- I have that. The monkeys then and now. I like so a lot I. of those songs. Dude, the monkeys so are, do I. They're, they're great. So do I. Uh, you take no. the last train to Clarksville, <laughs> not me. Maybe I will. There's a little bit of shades of gray in that in that decision. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, Tom, but if I listen to the band, maybe I can. But what the hell am I doing hanging around? Oh, God. Wow. I do this all night with these with Please these don't. monkeys. Please Anyways, don't. Uh, we are doing Paul Stanley's Soul Station. Yes. <sighs> that album. The time has finally come. Oh boy! I don't know who's more excited. I don't know who's more excited, us or the listeners, or maybe no one is. <laughs> we'll I get find a out. Smirk on my face, so that should tell you something. Yeah, the time has come for Paul Stanley's Soul Stations now and then, not mm. then and now. So, uh, Tom, how you doing? We're talking about Paul Stanley Soul Station. How can I be anything other than super excited? Yeah. Baby, baby. (laughs) Maybe we can cross these podcasts with the monkeys podcast and do (laughs) and have him do. Oh no, don't do it. Don't do it. That, yeah, that, that. So when we do our when, when we do our famous last words, do we need to sing them this week in honor of Soul Station? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in our in our best falsetto. <laughs> oh, the falsettos! I'm all falsettoed out, dude. Dude, you thought just a boy was interesting. Lisa, Lisa in the cult jam. Oh. And that's that song that was made me think. That, uh, what is it? The song we were talking about on our live cast the other day. All cried out. That's it. Remember that? That was a little bit like that. Yes. Lisa, Lisa jam out with her clam out. Yeah, but she was hot <laughs> and was stacked. So I thought she different. was a little bit 
fat in the ass, wasn't oh. she? She was a little chunky but funky. <laughs> yes, she was like a built like a fire hydrant. That's it's okay. Fire hydrants are hot. <laughs> oh boy, really did it good this time. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh. So um, before we get into everything that's going on in Kiss World and shout it out loud, Cast World, time to give a shout out to our Patreon brothers. Uh, thank you guys for all those involved with Patreon with us. We uh, appreciate you guys. We got a, a couple fun things coming up. I think it might be. Is it this weekend, Tom? Yes. Yeah, well, we got well, a little we're, bit. Of- we're, looking, we're looking at maybe Monday ish. We haven't. We're not going to give any okay. dates, but it might be coming up. Yeah. So we have a couple fun things coming up for those guys over there. We want to give a shout out and thank them for their support. If anybody's interested in helping out the pod. Please uh, look us up on Patreon.com, Patreon, the web, the uh, the app. You can find uh, us under the creators. You just do a search, shout it out loudcast, or even on the episode notes where you get the podcast here, you'll see a little uh, link to Patreon. If you're interested in helping us out, we greatly appreciate it, and we thank those that are helping us out. And uh, it's going to good, good use because we get some fun things coming up. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, uh, Echo Zeus's uh, sentiments there. Absolutely huge, huge thank you to the Patreon supporters uh, every week. We thank you guys so much. And uh, we're excited for some of the fun Patreon exclusive things we have uh, coming up. So that'll that'll be fun for everybody. Yeah. And not sure, Tom, do you want to get into uh, the draft now before we get into last week's episode? Yeah, why not? Because that's current. So right now. So the episode is it. Well, it's Saturday when you'll hear this, so hopefully you 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 hopefully you download it at twelve oh one a.m. on Saturday. That you, you I can't know even I go to, you can't even go to bed because you need to hear us. So you you be in the middle of the second round of the Kiss Album Madness tournament. First weekend was crazy. Uh, tons of polls. We went through that first round Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and uh, now we're in the middle of the second round. Not a lot of surprises as with any other tournament, whether you're talking March Madness basketball, you know, first round is usually predictable, a lot of blowouts, and there was really nothing here that was kind of shocking. Um, you got Destroyer advancing over Cat 1, Alive 4 beating Carnival of Souls. That was a big problem for a lot of people, including myself. You got Asylum beating Asshole, Double Platinum beating Let Me Rock You, Hot in the Shade beating Rockology, Paul Stanley Solo beating Spaceman. Trouble walking, lower seed there, beating the Millennium Concert. Uh, Kiss debut, of course, alive. You wanted the best, narrowly beating Monster, which Monster wow, sh- a studio album. That's how bad that album is. That- <laughs> yep. Um, Unmasked beating Soul Station. Couple people were like, oh, "Soul Station just came out." Be like, it doesn't matter. It's not going to win anyways. <laughs> uh, um. Oh, and then this was one. I love it. All the non kiss diehards like kiss fans but more general rock fans were losing their minds that animalized crushed badlands i'm like look if you were doing this poll as a general rock podcast maybe but a kiss podcast with kiss fans primarily badlands has no chance yeah and it's a good album but you know no Um, yeah poor peter chris got pummeled by freely's comet which is the biggest bullshit. It's just on reputation alone. Yep. Yep. It's on the reputation. Everyone, oh, Peter Cruz stuff. Dude, we are not the same 20-year-olds that listen to that album. Listen to it again. 
it's better than Fraley's comment. Yeah, yeah. and With then we have Rock Ace in his deck. Yep, dude, that alone should have disqualified the whole fucking <laughs> album. And then you got Rock and Roll Over, obviously crushing ESP Eric Singer project. Then you go to the other side, you got Love Gun crushing White Tiger, of course. Psycho Circus beating Kiss Rocks Vegas. Killers uh, over Vinnie Vincent Invasion, of course. MTV Unplugged over Unfinished Business. Crazy Nights. Over second sighting, harder than hell. Over anomaly. This is another cont- a hotly contested one. M- more on comments than actual the poll. Gene Simmons seventy eight solo beating Paul Stanley live to win. Look, I love Paul Stanley live to win, but nostalgia goes a long way in these things, and people love that. You know the album cover. People like Radioactive. It's going to be very very tough for a non Kiss album to advance in this tournament. Mm-hmm. Um. And then we keep you get then you got Alive 2 obviously crushing uh one for all. Ace Freely uh, 78 crushing audio dogs, Sonic Boom over Wicked Lester, Alive 3 over Union, Lick It Up over Black and Blue, Smashes Thrashes and Hits over BK3, Revenge over Origins Volume 1. Then this was the matchup that sent people into a fucking tailspin. The Elder beating all systems go. Look. This was the one that I thought had a shot at advancing in terms of a, a non-Kiss album beating a Kiss album. It was about 55-45. Again, it's the nostalgia. It's the love. The Elder has a cult following. I, I just don't think Vinnie Vincent Invasion All Systems Go had enough. I'll be honest with you. I really, I love The Elder. I voted for All Systems Go. That album is fucking insanely awesome. We did our album review on it before. It's great. People were insane that all systems go lost. The crowd seems to love it. <laughs> exactly. Then you got Creatures of the Night crushing Chelsea in the first round. So that's what we got going on. Couple good second round matchups. A lot of people looking forward to Unmasked Dynasty. Animalized one. Animalized Dress to Kill because Animalized Dress to Kill and Harder Than Hell Crazy Nights and Asylum Double Platinum. You're talking different eras of the band where we said this before the age of the voter where the voter came in with their introduction to the band so i mean on paper it's like oh yeah the dress to kill is going to crush animalize and it probably will but it might be interesting crazy nights harder than hell yeah harder than hell is going to roll that one i think one that's interesting to me i know it's not interesting to a lot of people and it might be interesting to you because you're pretty much the only other person i could think of that would care about this matchup is hot in the shade versus paul stanley 78 solo no, yeah, you know, I for me, me personally, that's a great matchup. Yeah. Generally speaking, I'm not sure what people are going to think of that, but we'll we'll see. So it's a lot of fun. We're rolling along with this, and we can't wait to see where it goes. My favorite thing of all this right now was people going, "What the fuck is Chelsea?" Yep. Oh, I know. <laughs> Somebody was like, awesome. "Yeah, there was one when it was uh, Ace Frilly versus Audio Dog." Somebody's like, "What?" But then it was funny. There were some people who were like raving about like somebody's like, oh, my God, unfinished business. Great album. You know, I know it's got no shot. And that's what I commented. I said, yeah, I said, we know a lot of these albums have absolutely no chance, but we put them in there to give them some respect, maybe have some discussion and let people know that they let people know that they exist in Kiss World. So a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, And those that are. Even if you're not, uh, you didn't get your bracket in, don't worry about it. Keep playing along. Keep voting. Keep commenting. Keep interacting.
interacting. Yep. That's what makes this so much fun is the interaction, the conversation, the, you know, the insults, some of yep. them. And uh, it, it makes this part of this time of year a lot of fun for us. So thank you for that. And uh, let's go into last week's episode, which <laughs> speaking of conversation. Wow. wow. Yeah. So we took a we took a little video from Paul and Gene uh, 1993 interview and turned it into an episode. And uh, it was very interesting. So the poll question of the week we always start with. So we talked about the episode and the uh, the video, the interview and how Gene and Paul got into an argument. You know, Gene went after Paul uh, right on camera, confronted him. And uh, we said, you know, who do you think was the was right in this one? You know, simple question. Wh- wh- whose side are you on? 65% of the vote was on Gene's side. Pretty interesting there. A couple comments here. Kevin Northern, keep it professional during the interview and air it out afterwards. And if you're going to take a shot, don't punk out when you get confronted. Gene for the win here. Lee Bruton, hard to call as nobody knows what happened beforehand to give a context. Having said that, Gene was doing his rock and roll star thing and has every right to. He's a rock star. I think Gene was right, and I say that after saying Paul was right for years. Bill Elam, Gene was playing the party line that predates back to Kiss Exposed and Animal Live live uncensored. Paul had a burr up his butt and seized a moment to make him look like a schmuck on a broadcast. Uh, Jack Pinocchio. They actually looked and sounded like a married couple. (laughs) Steve, difficult without knowing what the obvious problem between them was. Judging it just by this clip, I feel Gene was right. No need for snide remarks like that in front of the camera. Leave that behind. Be professional. Just my opinion. Tony Rod, I think it was Paul who made a comment about, quote, not airing dirty laundry. As goofy as Gene is in this clip, Paul should have said something off camera if he had a problem with him. Gene rightly called him out. Uncle Polly, I wish they would have come to blows right then and there. I imagine it would have... <laughs> I imagine it would have looked like the Alonzo Morning Larry Johnson slap fest from the Heat Knicks 1998 playoffs. Then, oh, here we go. Our buddy Baco. Who who loves Kiss more than Baco? Paul was out of line, but fuck it. Sometimes you just look at the guy next to you and think, fuck this guy. It has to get old hearing Gene regurgitate the same old sex cliches while being treated as some sophisticated businessman. He was always a dork. Paul knew it. Okay. Speaking of dorks, Paul's the biggest dork we got in Kiss, but that's a separate story. Uh, Deuce, at the time, Paul was still writing songs like I Just Want and Take It Off. So to backhand Gene because of his expected sexual comments, I found to be a little ridiculous, but not surprising. Jay Sharplin, isn't Gene always right? Alessandro Rourke, maybe they should have picked a better type of interview. We don't know what may have transpired prior to the interview. Either way, Paul's dig was intentional and silly. Glad Gene got over it quickly. I guess he's the adult in the marriage. Oh, okay, we'll see. And then um, some more comments here just related to the episode and uh, the, the interview in general. Let's see, Joel Hoffman. Oh, yeah, he gets fired up when he starts tweeting. Paul gets a pass from everybody. He's a very disturbed, insecure, phony human being. <laughs> I th- <laughs> That's I not over the top. G- no, never. I think Gene is exactly who he says he is. I think he's genuinely a good guy. And let's face it, everybody wants money. I'd much rather be friends with Gene. I've always liked him the best. Brian Strutter then responds. I used used to be insecure. Paul has fixed all those issues, though it took a long time. Yeah, I don't think Paul fixed any of those issues. They might be worse now than ever. Uh, And getting screwed over by Pam didn't help his issues. Wow. Okay. 
He's in a much better position today than he was in 1994 or even earlier. Oh, all right. Interesting take. Zandon, I really enjoyed this episode as a different discussion aspect of Kiss. Paul is Mr. Double Standard. Steve DeDisco. I like how we like how we changed like how we changed his name. This was really a fun, interesting episode. Doesn't always have to be a huge event or an album review to make it worthwhile. I agree with a lot of what you guys said and disagree with some of it also. Thanks for being you. Uh, then we got some more comments from Lee, Steve, Brian, uh, our buddy Chris Vickery. Does this mean Tom is Paul and Zeus is Gene? And I thought it was interesting that Paul was using the same speech to talk about his influences music back then, just like Soul Station. I don't know who's who here, but I, I don't know. It depends on what kind of mood we're in. Max English. Paul had his arms folded the whole time. What an ass. <laughs> Excuse Go me. on. Go on. Murph, very entertaining episode. I've seen the two of you barely be civil to each other during a game of Sega NHL 94. No way cooler heads prevail during your creative differences. Smoochy emoji. Oh, and then Costa butts in, and I don't even understand this. You're going to have to help me because it's a Bruins thing. Must have been when Zeus just had to have the Bruins to get Peter Doris on a line with Kim Neely and Adam Oates. <laughs> in Sega. Remember, they had it automated. Yes. That Peter Doris, I think, was like the first line center. And, oh, yeah. And oh, my God. Yes. Instead, and you're like, what the fuck? Where's like Joe Juno? Or where's yes. uh, Adam Oates or something or whatever it was? Yep. You're yep. trying to switch the guy over. Or something. Yep. All right. Now we got another great comment here from our good friend, Lance Lumley. I remember seeing this great episode, taking nothing from previous topics, but this was covering a small piece of rice on the kiss stir fry dish where other shows only look at the whole plate presentation. Great rare topic, original guys. It's why you guys are the best Lance. Thank you so much for the comments and thank you every week for your interaction and your feedback. We we love it. Uh, Now we got a couple great comments here from our good friend deuce. Everyone loves the draft and album reviews for good reason. But personally, I love these quote deep cut episodes, taking an obscure seven minute clip and creating an interesting, fun and conversational topic is what keeps you guys one step ahead of the other kiss podcast. Bravo guys. Deuce, you're the best man. And then we got a great response from our friend, uncle Polly. He says, I couldn't agree more. I know one day they will do an episode on jeans, chewed gum that sold on eBay and they will knock it out of the park as usual. You guys are the best. Thank you. We love those comments. And we do that. We do this kind of stuff for you guys. And for you to acknowledge how much you enjoy this, it just makes it that much more fun for us. So thank you very, very much, you guys. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yep. Great job. Thank yep. you. And we're going to so, throw it over to you for Facebook, Zeus. Yeah. On Loudcasters, the group page, Matt Wallace, these two always give the worst interviews. They come across so douche it's ridiculous <laughs> i wish gene would have punched paul right in his fucking teeth <laughs> and then i wish that paul would have took out his tube sock package and piss in gene's mouth to shut them both the fuck up dude wow okay scott mays great episode you can tell that from the interview that they both were at wit's end with each other Pete Staros, maybe Paul was referring to Gene. That's why Paul retracted when Gene called him out. Uh, and then Christine Cassidy killed Hulin. Fire, LOL. Already okay. then. Okay. Uh, over on Facebook, Graham Richley, 
Great episode and analysis. Never heard this before. Uh, and in an interesting insight into G and P's relationship. To me, it shows the level of professional respect they hold for each other that Gene spoke up like he did. Paul didn't bite back. That stupid questions definitely contributed as Kiss just released one of their best ever albums and they're being asked insulting, dumb ass questions that treats them and their music without respect. Thanks for introducing me something new in Kiss World. You guys make my weekend. I think Graham hits the nail on the head. Yeah. He's right. Yep. Like they just had this awesome. They looked annoyed. Like these are the questions. They were such fucking like douche douchebag questions. Yeah, they Would were. They, they were, they were yeah. trying to win tag. They were trying to antagonize him. Get like a get like a tabloid response. Are they asking Rush those questions? No, nope. no. If Journey was up there, would they ask questions like that to them? They wouldn't ask that band if maybe if Poison was up there, but Poison wasn't doing interviews in 1993. Yeah, yeah. Um, Brad Rustoven, I think this is the punchable face you were referring to. Wow, and he and he must have screenshot it. Yep. It's a look of Paul looking to Gene like, yeah. Oh my God, he fucking <laughs> captured it perfectly. Yeah. I still remember seeing this on a VHS compilation back in the day. Paul asking for it, but I couldn't believe just Gene responded that way on camera. What was he thinking? The only other time I saw those guys interviewed and thought, oh shit, it's about to go off the rails was when they were in Europe promoting kiss my ass. And they were interviewed on MTV's most wanted. And he, and he uh, put the segment out there. If anybody wants to see it, it's really cringeworthy. Um, it's on our shout it out Loudcast Facebook page. Uh, Brad put the link to it. It's pretty interesting to watch. Yep. Again, Jack Pinocchio. This photo of Paul screams street hustler comes up to me one day and I'm walking down the street, <laughs> minding my own business. And he looks me up and he looks me down. <laughs> nice. um, Mike Rowan. Awesome episode. Just found your podcast. Dig in your takes on my favorite band. Yes. Nice. Love to hear that, Mike. Absolutely. Uh, Jason Allen. Great episode. I got to go with Uncle Gene on this one. It's like he couldn't apologize enough for not being involved in the 80s, which I'm okay because I love the 80s kiss. It's like those parts in office space. The dude knew he had messed up regarding the TPS reports, <laughs> but they just never let him forget it. Gene was involved with revenge and had a great. It was great with the band. Paul seemed to still be holding a grudge. I love Gene's humor. Gymnasium. Nice. And then Chris Sinsnack from Decibel Geek wrote, go on. Okay. All right, then. That's the that's what Paul was saying. Yeah, no, I know. When he was like, okay. yeah, go on, go on, go on. <laughs> I like that. A punchable uh, over, face. Yeah. Over on YouTube. <laughs> YouTube. Johnny Be Good. Would you really want another album that sounds like Monster? Because that's what it would be. The only way I would buy a new Kiss album is if Ace and Peter played on every track. But that will never happen. You're goddamn right. It'll never happen. So what's the point of even bringing that up? <laughs> oh, again. Yeah, I mean, come on. It, open okay. up your eyes. But anyways, yep. John, everyone's got their right to their opinion. Yep. Um, Anthony Stratus. Great episode, guys. Love how you guys explore and define the hottest band in the world. My question to you guys, Thomas, is who gave birth to Kiss, Paul or Gene? 
easy, both of them. Pretty much, yeah. They did. Uh, David Dungan, great episode, guys. And then good old friend Marty White doesn't disappoint. Mm-mm. You guys are right about how much we, the fans, would go nutter butters over a new Kiss album, especially during all the shutdowns. Hell, even an EP would do. And I, Marty White, the fan, have a great <laughs> idea. I think they should do a follow-up to The Elder. It's now 40 years later. It'd be nice to know what became of the hero. Ever since defeating the enemy, the council sent the hero to trade school to become a welder. Hence the EP's title, Music from the Welder. Here are the possible titles. The Journeyman's Oath. You pull the trigger of my heat gun. Weld, weld you. Welding machine. Weld it up. Escape from trade school. Just like the Elder, the specific plot of the Welder is a bit unclear. It seems to be about a frustrated journeyman welder who confuses his welding tools for his dick. Seems unlikely, but everyone has a fetish. I don't judge. Just don't point that thing at me. And then Anthony Stratus jumps in, or even a special bonus track, a weld without heroes. Oh, God. You guys are good. Holy shit. That's what we got on Facebook and YouTube. Nice. And we're going to get, we got one more here. Uh, We're going to go back to Twitter. This is from Stealth. He says, this episode topic is fucking grouse. G-R-O-U-S-E. I looked that up. It's equivalent to awesome. As we say in Australia, and I look forward to checking it out. Each episode you drop has become an event in and of itself. And the two of you have built the only KISS-related weekly podcast that is a must-listen. Then we get a quick agreement from our good friend Nige Savage. Strong agree with this. Legends. So, Stealth, you, the listener, are this week's comment of the week. Good answer. Good answer. I like the way you think. I'm going to be watching you. <laughs> and, and, and your prize is coming in the mail. So stealth sincerely though. Thank you for that. We appreciate those kind words. That's amazing. We love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Your prize is you get to listen to us talk about soul station now. Yeah. That's either your prize or your punishment, depending on how you feel about soul station. So we'll see what happens. Yes. Yes. So what's going on in kiss world, Tom? Cue up the crickets. Uh, other than the release of Paul Stanley Soul Station, uh, I don't know if he like threatened the lives of every other band member and said, I'm releasing this album. You all better shut the fuck up and not take the headline away from me. Yeah, but I know, a couple yeah, you got things. A, you got a couple things you wanted to bring up. Go ahead. Well, they're not bringing out new music, but they are selling they are selling you some coffee. God. Yeah, there's coffee now they're selling. I knew they were talking about this a while back, but yeah, Kiss, we did talk about it. The official Kiss social media account did put it out there about the Kiss coffee that's coming out, which uh, it just goes back to it. You can put out Kiss coffee, but you can't put out music. Like, come on. Because the coffee takes no energy. It's pu- it's made by Dead Sled Coffee. That's the name of the company. They're probably taking fucking coffee grounds that are scraped off the bottom of the floor, throw them in a bag, f- slap on a picture of Gene or Paul or all the four band members. Everybody's going to buy it. 
And there you go. Zero effort on the band's part. Yeah, and we'll have a silver edition, the double platinum edition. The first 100 will be autographed by Gene and Paul, and they'll sell for like $1,000 each or yep. something, you know, something like that. And Yep. And then people are like, well, well, they're doing it for us, the fans. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's what okay. you think. That's what you want. Yeah. And then the other thing that came in I saw was they've got some new retro-like shirts, but the Ace and Peter images of these retro shirts have Tommy and Eric Singer. So bad. So instead of Peter and Ace, they have Eric and Tommy in retro stuff. I understand you're selling stuff going forward, but there's no reason to put Eric Singer's face on a 1976 T-shirt, supposed yeah, T-shirt. Yeah, and the one that we uh, specifically one we we had shared on our social media uh, on Facebook was uh, it was a Kobo Hall shirt. I think it looked like it had like a kind of like a ticket stub or like the like the announcement of the show, the Kobo Hall thing, and it had the band. And I shared it because I wanted feedback, and everybody was like, "What the fuck is this? I'm not. I would not buy this. It's got Tommy and Eric." And it's not Tommy and Eric's fault, but if I'm buying a shirt with a Kobo Hall thing on it, I want the original full because that's who played at fucking Kobo Hall. Yeah, and it's not like they 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 don't have the likeness to be able to do that. Obviously, they still sell merchandise with Ace and Peter on it. Right. So they do. either someone doesn't doesn't know what they're doing, they fucked up. Yep. Or maybe maybe they're doing this going forward. I I hope that's not the case. I, I doubt it's the case, but. Anyways, it, it was just it gives all the detractors ammunition, so stop fucking doing it. I agree. I, I agree. It, it all it does is fire up the, the it, it just fires up the base. And you know, they still have the, the they can still put Ace and Peter on whatever they want. I mean, you look at the destroyer 45th anniversary, that, that their faces they the, some of that merchandise is really cool cool. It's got it's got items with with the destroyer album cover but then it's got some other pictures from that era that have them so they can do it i i, I don't know if it's laziness by the vendor who's making the shirt or what because i don't know if i don't think the shirt is official kissonline.com merchandise but it's but it's kiss yeah but yeah yeah bullshit anyways it's junk whatever whatever and it yep. gives fucking idiots like that idiot that uh, that won't stop torturing ball oh yeah like I know. ammunition oh my god is this act time I like if someone told me if I could post this much time, I might win a couple thousand dollars. I wouldn't just post that much to win thousands of dollars. Right. Why the fuck does this one guy? He like lives to fucking torture Paul. Paul must have like, like banged his mom, screwed his sister, done something to this guy. Right. All he does is post shit about Paul. You know, and then brutal. Paul attacked him like an idiot, which was the dumbest thing Paul could have ever him, done. Gave him oxygen. Yep. And now all he does is like fucking breathe life into that character even more. Yep. You know, torture him. And he has like little fanboys that love him for doing yep. that. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it up. Keep doing that. Yep. Dude, what the fuck, man? Isn't that old? Isn't it tiring? You're a grown man. What are you doing? Move Why on. You hate this man so much. It lost its fun. It, it's not funny anymore. Well, it wasn't. Well, and the problem with that guy is that he's not even his. He was never necessarily f- funny. I mean, his stuff was just so, just we so. Get it. You don't like Paul. Right. You don't like yeah. Tommy. 
All right, I'm gonna make 15 memes a day of them being gay with each other. Exactly. Okay, so you're homophobic right. because you're trying to say that if they are gay, then that means it's something to be mocked. Who gives a fuck? Right. Leave it alone. Right. Like you don't like them, don't listen to them. I don't like Rush. I'm not fucking going on making memes of fucking Getty Lee blowing the guitarist. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you're not doing that. That would be nice. I'm glad. I appreciate the, your kindness. And, and, and fucking hitting every Rush fan page. Oh, look at this. Yep. <laughs> Getty Lee fucking. What he got? <laughs> the fucking human scarecrow. Whatever he fucking. <laughs> <laughs> he is not a handsome man. He is not a handsome man. No one's going to say that he is. I am not what you would call a handsome man. Yeah, yeah I know. But yeah. Anyways, enough about those fucking negative comments. Let's get all this negativity out of the way, Tom. Because it's time to talk about Paul Stanley's Soul Station. Wait, you just said get the negativity out of the way. Yeah. Oh, okay. So there's no more negativity for the rest of this episode. I don't know. Is it coming from you? It ain't coming I, from me. I don't know. I didn't say anything yet. Let's get going. Oh. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. All right. So as you guys all know, our episode today is about the Paul Stanley Soul Station album. It just dropped on Friday. I pre-ordered it on Amazon. It came in on Friday. I know a lot of people went and ordered that live thing where he, um, you know, he autographed a few copies and they're waiting. I see other people going, hey, I pre-ordered mine. I haven't got it. I just did it from Amazon. I got my hard copy CD, Yep. downloaded it, put it on my phone, and have been playing it non-stop so that I can be ready to have this review, which is happening now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty quick. It's almost as quick as reading his pasta book, whatever oh, that was we did back a, then. That was a fucking slog. Um, got olive oil here. Put a little in your pan. Yeah. And you want to throw in your prosciutto? Oh. But now that I think about it, Tom, since we've been on the air, other than Aces, but Paul's book and Paul's CD is the only ones that have dropped since we've been on the air. Yeah, in terms of like, yeah, new material. Except for yeah. Aces fucking origins and i think yeah no yeah base man and whatever whatever he drops so much crap we can't even keep up with it half the time <laughs> space junk whatever the fuck you release whatever the fuck you guys call it exactly so um i ordered mine i got mine through amazon i assume would you get yours itunes yes i did not make a hard copy purchase um oh, i'm still I'm still up out in, still up look, still up in still up in the air on that we'll find out at the end of the episode how- handsome he is very very handsome so tom we usually do album reviews like how did you get into the album how did you connect with it what was your first interaction (laughs) well i got it on friday (laughs) i know well look i'll i'll start kind of a little bit of the intro before we get into this so i i want to make a, a preface here so all the ranting and raving that we've been doing maybe me or a little bit more or zeus whatever about you know pandemic paul and the you know, the things that we talk about and, and him, him, him promoting soul station and everything. Look, I don't have a problem with Paul Stanley having a side project. Here's the problem I have. And I've made this clear, but I want to go over it again as we prepare to do the review. I have a problem when you 
promote your side project at the expense of the band that put you in a position to have people care about your side project. Okay. You could just either not even talk about kiss at all, or just say like, you know, kiss is my passion. That's the band that, 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 you know, put me in this position, you know, we're taking a little hiatus or whatever COVID, you know, I'm working on this. These are my roots. I love, you know, instead of like bashing the band and saying, nobody wants new music, whether that may be true or not, just, just be kind to your band. That's, those are my issues. You know, I'm going to tell you what I think about this album as we get through it, but those are my issues is just bashing kiss, you know, putting down kiss to lift up soul station. I just kind of wanted to get that out there that there are other, our, our, our buddy, Charlie Benanti, he's got a side project coming out. I pre-ordered the vinyl on that. Now that type of music is more up my alley. It's got a lot of kiss stuff. It's got some other stuff. So side projects are great. Just don't denigrate the band that puts you in a position to have people give a shit about your soul, your soul station project. That that's why I just want to get that out of the way. Yeah. Charlie's got that new, like a bunch of everyone's seen those YouTube clips he does with all those yep. special artists and special guests. He does all those songs during the pandemic and during COVID times, yep. but he's not saying here's my new album. I ah, fuck it. Nobody, I don't want to do anything with, no, I'm not doing any new music with anthrax. Why didn't anybody want to listen to that? Exactly. My point. He's not saying that. Nope. It's just whatever. Anyways, yep. a couple things with this. I'm going to sh- get this off my chest before we break down the album. Okay. And the first one is there's two parts to this, and they're both revolve around one word. And that word in the word of the day, kids, is hypocrisy. How the fuck for years have you been fucking saying shit about Peter and his love of that R&B stuff? That's How me, the fuck I'm, I'm, can you do that? I'm doing a golf clap right now for Zeus because I was going to jump on this too. I don't get so. it. I give it an F. I don't yep. get it. How the fuck do you do that? Okay. Maybe do a mea culpa because you used to fucking shit on artists talking about politics. Now you do it all the time. You used to shit on Peter in his love of R&B and him trying to do side music and side stuff and that doesn't make sense and all that stuff. Now you do it. And number two of the hypocrisy is you used to give Gene so much shit. It's all over, plastered over on your book. If you listen to YouTube at night and you go down that rabbit hole of Kiss stuff, there's always clips and a Paul, the auto audio version of his book. And there's the clip. Or if you like Paul shitting on Gene or whatever, and it's always the part where he says, now Gene is using kiss my band, which is half mine to promote his side fucking projects and not reimbursing me and not including me and not asking me for permission. Who gives a fuck about, you know, your shitty movie that you're doing on the side. But to me, it was clear that Gene continued to see the band as a vehicle for himself as an individual. He was taking the band for granted, or worse, he was abusing what we had built together. And for what? Somebody wasn't playing for the team. Somebody was thinking only about himself. He also developed a new habit of using the KISS logo and his KISS makeup for personal projects without my approval, knowing full well it was needed. How come Gene is not saying, why do you get to use Kiss to do your shitty fucking album on the side? Your fucking, your midlife crisis fucking newfound soul that you have. 
mm-hmm. like I'm not saying that that I'm not joking about. It. I'm saying like if Gene had a a negative like uh, reaction to this type of music, he could say, "Why do I have to fund your fucking f- fantasy R and B world that you want to be in? Why do you get to put Kiss? Why do you get to do something with Purple on this Soul Station stuff when that's associated with the Star Child of Kiss?" Why do you get to do little things like that? That if I did that shit, you would have your arms folded and you'd go, go on, mm-hmm. go on. And you'd be all fucking bullshit, but it's okay when you do it. Why do you take my drummer from our band and put him in that band? Why do you get to do all this shit? Why do you get to go on all these fucking stuff? First of all, you brag that you're on the cover of USA Today. Cover story, USA Today. You're not, that's not the cover story. It's a fucking sectional in a USA Today. And why do you think you're in there? Is it because you're a newfound artist doing R&B music? You're in there because it's fucking weird that the guy from Kiss is doing music. Guess what? I bet you if you look back, there's probably a USA Today article about D. Snyder doing a Christmas album. Because that's fucking weird. And not like D. Snyder's like fucking Johnny Johnny Mathis Christmas album, but it's different that he's doing it. The lead singer of Kiss is doing an R and B album. Let's write about this and see about it. It's not because Paul Stanley, the soulful singer from originally from New York, is doing a soul album. So you're using Kiss again, and we're all going along with it, and we're all with you. The Kiss Army was. And it's a fucking gamble you're taking because guess what? You have the risk that the fucking real R&B people are looking at you and going, who's this fucking white guy that's trying to take our music because he puts a couple African-Americans in the fucking band and puts on funny hats and now he's a soul singer? That's not appropriation? Okay. That's okay, though, right? You and you also have the other part to it is saying Kiss fans aren't into this music, so you can alienate both sides, or you can walk that fine line and take a real gamble and say, you know what, I can win over people, and this can make it on the R and B charts, and I can convert some Kiss people to liking this music. Risky. God bless you if it works. We'll talk about it. And we'll see if it does. But there's a lot in there, and none of this would be possible without Kiss. Great, great stuff. Then let me let me jump in on some of those points. So you're right. You brought up the issue about him doing this on the backs of Kiss. You're right. The pre the the, the special edition vinyl, purple vinyl, purple's a star child. You said it. And another thing, why isn't it called Soul Station? Why is it called Paul Stanley's Soul Station? If this album is good enough to hang on its own, why not just release it as Soul Station, then and now, or not whatever it's called? No, it's Paul Stanley's Soul Station, because you know that you need to have people identify and understand what this product is by calling it that. So you got purple vinyl, you got Paul Stanley on it. You brought up the point, I was going to bring it up too. You hijack the, the drummer for your band. You bring him in there, Okay. I'll be honest with you. It took me a while to realize that was even a thing. Why is Eric Singer not talking about this anywhere? Has he been, has he been like muzzled by Paul to not comment on it? 
I would love to hear what the Kiss drummer thinks of, of this project and his participation and his involvement. And in, does he have a background in this music? Does he like Motown and Philly soul and swing and R&B and jazz? I would love that. No word from him. Okay. And getting back to your original point about the hypocrisy that we have talked about nonstop about the Peter Chris 78 solo album. If Paul Stanley right now is telling people how this type of music is in his blood, it's in his roots. He grew up loving Otis Redding and Motown and the Philly soul and all that great stuff. Why did you never bring that up when Peter recorded an album in that style? You never said, hey, you know what? I'm not really sure exactly what Peter was doing there, but I do like that music. I grew up on that kind of stuff. You never heard a word from, oh, this is in my blood. I grew up when I was 10 years old. I loved it. How come you never said, hey, Peter, kudos to you. I love that music. I'm just not a fan of what you did with it. Instead, he just destroyed Peter's solo not, album. But why not just simply say, uh, Peter, good for good for Peter. He went out on a limb. He did something that he believes that in. That too. That too. But what? But if you have, but but to, but you, you're trying to tell us that oh, Soul Station, it's a passion project of mine. You never said that when Peter did an album similar to this. So are you just full of shit right now, or what? Or what? Okay, I don't know. I, I, I don't know either. And I, we, I think it's fair. And anybody that listens to the show, you know us. We're getting all this out now because this is how we feel about this project. Now I'm gonna be. I'm gonna speak for myself here. I am judging this album on the music. I'm not. I'm not incorporating my feelings about everything we just said. I'm judging this on the music, the vocals, the music, the melody, the performance. That's where I'm going with this review. Yeah. And, you know, let's start what we always start with album reviews on the cover. Sure. I know you don't have it, but this is the cover, yep. which you've seen all along. It's basically Paul with this band. It's a yes. nice group shot. It is. I like Paul it. Paul is, you know, with his fucking tiny Tim hairstyle that he has lately that he's been wearing. Yep. The band looks good. Eric, he looks like fucking someone from, looks like one of the Bowery boys from Gangs of New York with that yeah. fucking hat and that mustache. Dude, dude, he looks like the kind of guy you'd see outside Fenway Park playing one of those plastic five-gallon buckets <laughs> like with the little sticks outside there. Like, uh, you know, I, I mean, whatever, that's fine. You you want to have the look. I mean, obviously, Paul looks different. You know, he's got the the kind of cool looking outfit there. The band, you know, I'll tell you what it reminds me of. It reminds me of the G.E. Smith Saturday Night Live band. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they all have to wear those hats and stuff. Yeah, exactly. They're retro. And yeah, yeah. Is, is it the Brian Stelzer Orchestra look? Yeah, they're all. It's like the hipster doofus like yeah. jazz ensemble. But whatever. But I don't know that's if that's. Cool. Beck on the guitar. I don't know who the fuck that guy looks like. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And that looks like, and the other guy looks like Usher. Yes, he does. Fucking, yep. I don't know. This guy yep. looks like a serial killer. I don't know who that is. And this looks like fat Joe Elliott with the glasses on playing people. <laughs> yep. And then you got, then, pin, then you got pinky Tuscadero sitting yeah. on the ground there with his little yeah. Chuck Taylors. And, and is that a young Sonny Pooney over there? <laughs> <laughs> Sonny Pooney, Sonny Pooney. And I remember waking up, who the fuck is Sonny Pooney? So, Sonny Pooney makes many appearances on this album, by the way. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, the inside is him in his smoking jacket. Looks like the jacket that they were wearing in uh, Weird Science. It looks like that fucking jacket from Johnny Dangerously that he was wearing when he comes out of the friggin' restroom there. <laughs> with the big crest on his jacket. Exactly. <laughs> 
chicken on his juice box. And then Paul, if you open up the album, before I even saw Zeppelin, The Who, or any of the great cornerstones of British rock, I saw Solomon Burke. I've heard this fucking story. I know. He writes about the story. It's a couple pages deep in this. Then there's each member gets a little section of a photo of them. I don't know if you've seen this, Tom. Yep, I I have seen the photos, even though I don't have the hard hard CD copy. Sonny. (laughs) Fucking fat Joe Elliott. Fat Joe Elliott. (laughs) Usher. Thank you. And Paul Stanley. Lead vocals, Alex Alessandrani, musical director and keyboards, Eric Singer, drums and back and vocals, Sean Hurley on the bass, Rafael Morera, guitars and back and vocals, Ray Salas, percussions, Ellie Rise on keyboards, John Pappenbook on lead trumpet, Crystal Star on vocals, Lorhan Beto on vocals, and Gavin Roan on vocals. Now, I don't know which of the two sing some of the songs of the ladies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I knew. The Soul Station horns, Mike Nelson, Ben Burgett, Ed Wynn on saxophone, Soul Station string sisters, Natalie Leggett, Songa Lee on violin, along with Kathleen Sloan, and on the cello is Giovanna Clayton. I mention these because they all, uh, I'll get into it, but they're well. all... Uh, have a big impact on this album the album is produced by paul stanley co-produced recorded and mixed by greg collins who i believe was involved in the last few albums by kiss Mm -hmm. so now he's become paul's buddy and he's probably a yes man to be honest with you oh yeah Uh, or go for form um and uh, the back cover has got a purple tinge to it and paul on the mic with his Mm -hmm. smoking jacket yep yep yeah and uh, I got a purple, uh, yellow CD. The back is a microphone with some uh, circular writing. Paul Stanley Soul Station. It's kind of like a that'd be a cool logo for a podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> hmm. maybe we'll steal it. Anyways, that's the album cover. Now, as far as the album goes, the much details there are. Basically, it came out March nineteenth. Right. I know I got the CD. Um, I'm not sure where it, it's been lately and so far. I haven't seen any of the rankings yet. I did notice though on Amazon, Tom, mm-hmm. that it says here that ranks 11 in CD and vinyls and number three in rock CD and vinyls right now. Wow. Wow. That's on Amazon. Yeah. Okay. Now that's the most I got, and, the, yeah. and it does have five stars, thirty-seven ratings. So you know, Paul and Evan were creating accounts left and right. They were they were taking a cue from Sonny with the burner accounts, of course. <laughs> but see, but this is what this is what I want to I want to make a quick comment here about how people, whether it's fans or people like Paul or Gene, about a Kiss album. You know, nobody wants to hit, dude. If a Paul Stanley Soul Station album is ranked number three on Amazon Rock Charts, that is only happening because it's called Paul Stanley Soul Station. You put out a new fucking Kiss record, that thing skyrockets to number one and stays there for a few weeks instantaneously. I, that's the thing that I wish they got that one time where they could have a number one record. Yep. But yep. Alas, alas. So um, before, so before we get into like the track by track and stuff, I, I think it would be interesting, and I think it would be topical for the listeners to 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 see where me and you stand generally speaking in regards to this kind of music. 
Okay. okay. Because I, because th- I think that's going to, I think that will fashion our review and what we think of this. Okay. Cause there's a lot of people out there right now that have no use for soul or Motown or R and B or jazz or whatever you want to call it. And that may tint their dislike or like of this and whether they're going to buy it. So you can go, you, you can start real quick and just give a brief, where, where do you come in on this music? Is this yeah, something so that you like? I know the answer. Yeah. It's funny because we always talk about on our album review crew episodes, like, Oh, I'm going to do a, a country album review. Yep. And then you also, oh, I want to do a hip hop. I'm going to do like, and we're always curious, like, will our listeners deal with us doing an album like that? Yep. But I do agree with Paul. There are two types of music, good and bad. I like, there's certain classical music that I can listen to and really move me. There's certain hip hop that I really like. There's certain fucking, um, you know, obviously country. I'm a big fan of, um, I, I'm, I haven't gotten into jazz, but who knows? Mm-hmm. You gotta open your mind people. You know, we can't be just stuck into only death metal or whatever people are interested in. But for me, I've always been a huge Motown fan, huge Motown fan. So I got into like the temptations and the Supremes when I was young. I, I there's something about Motown and that music that always makes me feel nostalgia and uh, makes me think of my childhood of growing up and uh, my grandparents, my dad's parents, when my parents first came here, they, they were in central square Cambridge. Mm-hmm. My dad's first job, my grandfather, when they got off the boat, first job was at Jimmy's Harbor side. Remember Jimmy's? Wow. Oh yeah. 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 My, they were both dishwashers. My dad started as a dishwasher, became a cook. And of course, like every Greek, you know, owns a restaurant, but he worked <laughs> his way through it. I think of my life because afterwards my parents moved. By the time I was like a couple years, two, three years old, I was in Arlington and there's where I lived. But my grandfather, my dad's side, they stayed in central square. And I would always go there and stay at my grandparents often. And my aunt lived with my grandparents and I would stay there often. I loved sleeping over there and stuff. And I'll never forget Central Square in the late 70s and early 80s. And I always think of that music. Mm-hmm. It was like the urban part of growing up. Mm-hmm. It was about as urban as this fucking suburban kid would get. And I always feel the nostalgia of that music. I think of those 70s shows that I got into when I was a little kid watching on TV, Sanford and Son, Welcome Back, Cotter, like shows that depicted city life like that in the 70s. Yep. Right. Good times. Yep. Things like that. I love that. And I love that music. And then later on, you know, you go through life, you do your thing. I circled back to that music when I was after, after, um, not so much in college, but I circled back to it when I started getting into law school and afterwards, and I really fell in love and I started diving into the temptations catalog and the Supremes. And then I just really got into them. And then, uh, if you've ever seen the, the temptations movie that put me over the top with them and I, I can fucking quote that movie. And if anybody's ever seen it, it's fucking hilarious. It's got some great lines in it. And, uh, and that made me fall in love with that. And I love all that Motown stuff. Um, so for me, I, it's one of those things like, do I like this song or is it, do I like Paul singing this song? Like if I didn't know the song from the past, or is it because I like the song and he and he's doing it, um, it's more easily for me to like, or am I gonna heart 
crit, um, be harsh on him because, hey, you're doing a classic that I know and love. That's the line I, I was kind of playing with when I'm going to. So for me, I fucking love this music. Yeah, and I, th- I think one of the things that made me very, very apprehensive about this project and listening to this music was because, like you, I love this kind of music. Um, I grew up listening to all kinds of music, especially jazz. Both of my grandparents, excuse me, both of my grandfathers were professional musicians. They played saxophone for a living. One of them played in an orchestra. He was on the cover of an album. I actually have the album framed. It was awesome. Um, and my mother's father was in an, uh, in a band played with Tony Bennett down on Nantucket in the summers like that. They were professional musicians. So wow. that, that, and my uncle, you know, grew up listening to big band swing jazz. And then we did, we did, we got into a lot of R and B and soul and especially Motown, Stevie wonder, Marvin Gaye, four tops, temptations, all that, anything that had a good groove, a good vibe that anything that sounded good. And especially anything that had horns in it, especially mm-hmm. huge mm-hmm. fan of. So I loved this music and it made it, I'll be honest with you. It made me nervous to listen to this because I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is Paul Stanley. I'm like, I love Paul Stanley, but fucking a man is it. You're going to sing the spinners and, and Al green. And yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to hear this. I don't know if I want to hear this, but I, I did it and I, I'm, I'm ready to talk about what I think. And, uh, you know, let, let's get into it. I think it's going to be interesting. All right. With that being said, Tom, let's go to the first track. Here it goes. So we start off with, could it be I'm falling in love? Classic by the spinners. Love this song by the spinners. I love this song. Now, this is what I'm going to say. So I hear the music playing and I'm like, okay, this is fucking amazing. The arrangements, the musicianship sounds uh, like spectacular. It took me, it, it took me back. Like I was taken aback when I heard this. I was like, wow, this is amazing. 
like arrangements right here. I am into this very much. I'm into this also because I love this song. I love the original Paul starts singing. And I was like, okay, this is not terrible. His, his no, I know. I know I had a, he put it this way. He had a very, very low bar to get over for me. Okay. And he got over it in this, I think. And I, I think the production is fantastic. I think the backing vocals are amazing. And I think he gets a lot of help from them. Um, but there are times when it's just him. And I think the tone of his voice does fairly well with this type of this genre of music. I, I, I was pleased with, with this. This was a good start for me. And it put me in a good frame of mind for the remainder of the album. So I, 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 was, I was pleased with this. I'll put it that way. Could it be I'm Falling in Love? It was done by the Spinners in 1972. Mm-hmm. It was a number four uh, Billboard chart single and number one R&B. Written by Melvin and Mervyn Steeles, a.k.a. Maestro in Lyric. The Maestro? Yes. So I start this off. I'm like you. First thing I got to tell you is the production is unreal. It really is. It's it's off the charts. I can't think, and I'm going to say this boldly. I don't think Paul Stanley has ever done a better produced album than this. The sound quality on this is off the charts. Yep. And it starts from track one. Yep. Um, I'll be honest, Tom. I don't know this song very well. Really? Oh, I heard it. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big spinners fan. Okay. 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 Uh, I know they're Motown, but they're a little bit later Motown. Yes. Not the early sixties, more seventies. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, you know, besides one of the spinners looks like Sonny Pooney, and I, you know, <laughs> I can't get over that part. The music's on point. The trumpets, the bass, the backing singer. I, the thing about this is, like, I'll be repeating that throughout the yep. production, the instruments, the band. It's fucking phenomenal. The musicianship in this album, it phenomenal. Really is. All right, Paul. I went into this thinking, okay. More so than any other album, like with my, like almost like looking at a car wreck. Is anybody hurt? Is this going to be okay? Should I look over? I'm listening. Is he going to fuck up? Okay, so far he's good. Like I was nervous. That's exactly how on this album. That is exactly how I was. Trepidation. Like, am I going to like? Oh, is he going to be horrible? Is this going to work? Like waiting for him to like fucking miss it. Obviously, he has. Tremendous backgrounds, backing singers, but there's probably a lot of help in the studio for this. Mm-hmm. This song specifically, now throughout the whole album, Paul uses different vocals, mm-hmm. much different. This is a kiss Paul Stanley voice, but he's not screaming rock songs. The register's there; you can hear his voice. You'll hear the that falsetto throughout this fucking album. Oh god! But on yeah. this. It only with the the falsetto breaks out it with his little with you, you know, mm-hmm. he does that little thing there. And then that guy, uh, Galvin, uh, Gavin Rowe, adds some like soulful singing on the outro, which does a good job at it. It's, I like that he adds him in his band. Things mm-hmm. like that make it fucking awesome. Little, little t- 
touches like that would work in a Kiss concert too. Mm-hmm. Background singer, somebody else helping out. No one's gonna give him shit for it. He's fucking like a thousand years old. Who cares? Yep. But the song's decent. I don't know what he could make of it if I just don't like the song very much. It's okay. And Paul does a great job and the band sounds great. So I was like, okay, all right, good. Okay. So that's great. Chair number two, ready to minute. Exactly. So, yep. Ready to move on? Yes. I do. Do you? You do. Okay, next track. First of five originals on this album. Again, very, very impressed. And I, I'm going to try to not sound like a broken record, but it's an album review. The band just sounds magnificent. They really do. And I love this kind of music. It just sounds great. And I got to give Paul and whoever helped him with this arranging and writing this song as an original because it sounds like something that could have come out 50 years ago. Very, very well put together. It has a very nice melody. Paul hits the falsettos so insanely impressive. Again, I don't know what kind of help he's getting, but if you thought just a boy was interesting on the elder, the falsettos here are pretty amazing. It's it's a it's a slower song. Um, I can tell you right now, it's I tell you right now, any young Kiss fans out there that are probably thinking of getting married, I can see half of them using this as their wedding song. Another impressive track. So I was I was on board here again. And again, we're going to say this again. I already like this kind of music. But like Zeus said, and like we said, I'm waiting for that to be like, oh, no, don't don't do that. But I didn't get that yet on this song. Okay. Uh, I do written by Paul Stanley, one of five, as you mentioned, Tom. Falsetto Paul makes his impression is uh, introduction to us. I think he does his best Aaron Neville impression uh, impersonation here. It's a good way to put it. Very yeah. Aaron Neville. Okay. This is a little bit late seventies kind of mid seventies kind of. Um, so you're right. I, I wouldn't think anything of it. I, you know, he, he joked about it, but I'll give him credit when people are like, Oh, who did that song? I did. Mm-hmm. I can see it. Be like, Oh, who songs that? Who did that song? You know? So I, I I I couldn't tell. the The musicianship is fucking phenomenal. The backing vocals are fin- fantastic. 
it's a nice typical song. It's decent. Nothing special as well, uh, but it's okay. Um, okay. These aren't so much the, like for me, the Motown sound that I'm talking about. Yeah. I like the fucking grooves and the melodies and the songs, or I love the fucking, you know, goddamn David Ruffin screaming mm-hmm. like his heart out to somebody. I love that shit. Uh, more so than these tender ballads and mm-hmm. you know doo wops and stuff. So, but yeah, nevertheless, so let's move on to the third track. Another original. I got to tell you right now, I was fucking blown away at this one. Uh, The fact that this is an original song, this is right up my alley. What a fucking awesome groove. What a vibe. Uh, 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 I mean, again, the arrangement, uh, uh, a catchy chorus. Uh, I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, I found myself doing a little toe tap in here. A little, (laughs) I I, I was... (laughs) I was do- I was doing a little bit of the white man overbite with this song here, you know, a little bit of that exactly. Zeus is doing it right now on video. I was like, motherfucker, Paul, you pulled it off with this one. This is this was good. We'll talk about the video after you give your thoughts no. on the song. But, <laughs> but um, right. really, really impressive tune for me. I've said to you this: it's like a broken record. If I had to bet my life on one person to come up with music that I will like, that can find a groove and find a hook, it's Paul Stanley. Yep. This is so fucking catchy. This is definitely something I would be like, okay, who did this? Is this a Temptations? Or is this a Four Top song? Yep. Right? That's how I would look at it. Catchy as all hell. It's just vintage Paul Stanley hook and melody. Think about this. That fucking callback. I'm a man, I'm a man, mm-hmm. and I'm proud, and I'm proud. I was wrong, and I was wrong. You know, back in my arms, in my arms, I'll be strong, I'll be strong. Those callbacks, Yep. I know they're homage to previous Motown hits, but good God. And he's using his kiss voice on this song. Yes. He went back to the kiss voice, which I yep. love. Yep. And I love that little bridge she does. And this is why I know Paul Stanley's a good songwriter. He goes back to that bridge, five o'clock in the morning, alone awesome. in my room. And he hits that bridge twice. And, th- and there's a trumpet solo in here, Tom. Yes. Yep. A trumpet solo. You're waiting for him to go, hit it, Vinny. 
Exactly. Yeah. Ah, take it. And then Vinny go down, 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 down. Yep. Yeah. Unbelievable. Great fucking hook. Now, there is a video for this. <laughs> and Paul's got the animal skinned jacket, lounge singer jacket on. And he was doing a lot of the fucking like four tops hand movements. Dude, sugar pie, honey, dude, there's one, there's one thing where he's looking at the camera and he goes like this. I'm like, dude, you look, you look like you're in like a third grade school play oh right now. Oh my god, like, yeah. What the fuck? If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and I'll tell you, the, the the band, the band looked great. Like I love. I love those background singers. Oh my when god! All, when they're Don't all they snapping, sharp and fucking. Oh my god! And they're all snapping their fingers like in unison, and they're all jamming. And oh, it was everything in HD, and they all look yes, pretty. And it, the video, but then this Paul, <laughs> tiny Tim hairdo, looking like a fucking lounge singer slash magician. But then and he had all- that. But then he had that who fodded face. <laughs> I'm a man. I'm a man. He's, he's like, doing, he's, <laughs> like, dude, this isn't the show. No something video. Stop yeah. doing like the shoulder move. Like I'm a wild and crazy guy. Like those two guys could be in the background. Like dance. Yes. Yep. Right? Oh man, the band looks awesome. They do. And, and then at the end, did you see how he did the like the little annoying little heart thing? Oh yes. Like, just yep. The video. Yep. Yep. <sighs> wow. Three songs in. I know. Let's go. Ooh, baby, baby. Let's go. Okay, so this is the first one where I'm like, all right, all right. I like the originals. You know, you get you had those back-to-back originals. <sighs> Look, he did the best he could. The band carried him on this song. But this is just iconic Smokey Robinson and the Miracles stuff right here. Just This was when I was like, okay, this is kind of what I was worried about. Uh, it was his, the tone of his voice sounds very, very good. But this is to me such an iconic song that it 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 was the first I was like, okay, this is really, really good karaoke style t- stuff here, you know. But the but the the arrangements and the music carried it for me. Ooh, baby, baby, written by Smokey Robinson and Pete Moore, otherwise known as Warren Moore, 
1965, number 14 on the R&B, number 16 the U.S. Hot Singles. This is Paul at his falsetto. Oh, yeah. I sat there, and I'm like, is his voice going to crack? Is his voice going to crack? It's almost parody falsetto. I, I can do this. You can do this. Yeah. I wonder if you can do a straw sign. Oh, baby, baby. Like, it's just that fake falsetto. And it. I guess you can say you do. Look, I, I'm not a fan of this song. Yeah. I always remember in soundtracks, it's always in the background. But it's nothing that I want to listen to myself. Right. So does he... Does he pull it off? Yeah. But when this song came on and he started singing, it, I felt like this was a um, a Tom and Zeus typical. Oh! <laughs> like, the things that we, me and you do. Oh, God. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, when, he, when, he starts, when he started singing, I was like, oh, my God. I put this down. This was the first ooh, Tom and Zeus <laughs> old kind of comments. Yep. That yep. falsetto. Ooh, la, 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 la. la. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the song He doesn't butcher it No he doesn't I'm nervous listening to it I'm waiting for him to go Baby Baby He didn't (laughs) Nope he didn't No Nope So All right Track number five gonna get easier Ooh, child, things will get brighter Ooh, child, things are gonna get easier Ooh, child, things will get brighter Someday, yeah, we'll get it together and we'll get it all Okay, another cover here. The legendary Ooh Child by the Five Stair Steps. Everybody knows this song. It's a great song. I love the original. Uh, Now, this is a song right here where the band and the arrangement just, it was spectacular. I found myself really, really enjoying this. When that second verse comes in, with that background, with that, you know, that side singer there, you know, Paul takes a break and gives that. What a great vibe they added to the song made the song just so 
like I don't want to sound cheesy here, but it just made the song like bright. Like it was a the arrangement was very good in a the chorus. Word you're looking for is uplifting. Yeah, I was just gonna say that the chorus is very energetic. He he did this song justice because it is an uplifting. It's a happy, positive song, and I think they did a very good job with this one. I, I, I'm a fan of this version, and I like the original too. We'll get to the video afterwards. Oh boy, Ooh Child. By the Chicago band, The Five Stair Steps. This is 1970, written by Stan Vincent. Uh, number eight single, number 14 on R&B, Tom. Mm-hmm. Um, again, musicianship, backing vocals. I love the song and the mood. So as I was telling you that I think of Central Square when I think of that stuff, and I think of this music, I think of the like inner city or the you know urban in the 70s, and I think of this song. And this song brought me back. It was a nice little vocal by Gavin too. When mm-hmm. he jumps in, I agree with you. If I heard this and I was like, holy shit, whoever did this great job. The music is fantastic. This is an awesome job, but it's Paul. So I'm not like, you're kind of judging it. Like, am I judging him too harsh, expecting it not to be as good? Whereas mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, the, you know, this is bullshit. Like I'm punishing him for expecting that this was all done by auto tune or whatever, or because his band is so good or, you know, but he made this, I'm sure he organized this and came together with the production he's doing the coordinator and the instruments and his vocals. He got it to the point where this is the product in the end. Mm-hmm. So he's got his, you know, stamp all over this. And uh, I just thought, I mean, I love this song. Of all yeah. these songs, this is probably one of my favorites. Not my favorite. That's coming up. But this is one of my favorites. So when he did this song, I was like, oh, wow. So this is the kind of songs he's putting on his album? That's great. He's off to a good start. I know this song. So mm-hmm. if he released Ooh, Baby, Baby is the first kind of single, I'd be like, oh, yeah. I'm not really looking forward to this. But this, oh, yeah. So let's <clears throat> get into the uh, the video. This was the first video that got released that we all got to see. Yep. And again, the hand movements are just yikes. Yeah. It's just, it's almost like a parody. Like <sighs> put it this way. It, I thought, I thought of it this way. When I watched these videos, the videos do not enhance your enjoyment of the song. <laughs> put it that way. Uh, uh, that That's no, the, the only way I could does, just, the band does, but not Paul. Paul yeah, exactly. Exactly. He, he does a little leg lift at one point, almost like a little, kick he was like doing ddp yoga or something in the middle of the fucking song i don't know what the fuck that was at one he point. looked like he didn't really know exactly what he should be doing it looked like he was trying to play the role of that of that motown guy and it was like yeah it wasn't cutting it for me in the video and he was doing like ah, i want the knife yeah. with his hands like, yes right? yes yep and it's it just like his hand gestures yeah, doing the hand jive from fucking the movie Grease. I don't know what he was doing. Well, think think about it too. I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. Think about it too. He's used to having a guitar in his hand, something over a guitar over his shoulder. So his hands are usually not like he. he it's probably like an uncomfortable feeling. Like he's front man singing. He has nothing to do with his hands. Do you know what would be hilarious, Tom? If somebody with fucking the capabilities of doing is dropping. <laughs> oh God! What dropping? The fucking let's put the X in sex Paul from that video into oh, this album. They could do that. It would work. Right? With him and like I mean loves like a muscle, like 
Paul, because that's when he didn't have a guitar back then, remember? Okay. And you make me rock hard? Put him into these videos with that personality. Daryl Alber, get on it. I know you're listening. I don't think he can do that. He can he, do the music to the background of a video. I don't think he can drop Paul Stanley from the Let's Put X video into the Ooh Child video and let's, overlap that. Let's see if he can do it. But I, I just, <laughs> he just, you know, maybe it's the hairdo, the Tiny Tim hairdo that he's running or the lounge jacket that he's got going, a smoking jacket. Yep. <laughs> it, it's just. But by the way, the the horns on this are fucking great. I love it. Yep. Yeah. It just and why is fucking poor Eric always why is he wearing stupid hats? Oh, look at me. I'm I'm a hip cat from the 60s. I gotta wear a hat now. Here's another thing about Eric that I, I wanted to bring up with you too. So you know how we always joke about how when he wears the cat man makeup, his face looks like wicked but fat, fat face, Eric. He doesn't look he doesn't have a fat face. I don't know if it's the hat or the hair or the facial hair. I'm like, why is your face? Yeah, I'm like, why is your face so fucking fat when you dressed up like the Catman? I also think the wig coming down on his head <laughs> makes him just look like cheeks. That's it, yeah, right? No forehead, so it's right. just fuck cheeks. Right, he looks like a squirrel with a mouthful of nuts when he's got his face painted. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I, I thought that was interesting. I'm like, okay, Eric kind of looks like normal with the exception of that fucking stringy hair and that stupid hat. But anyways. All right, Tom. We're moving on. Next track. I know people talking where I This is Save Me, another original. Uh, this is another one that where I thought it sounded classic. Paul has that knack for knowing what he wants to do. And I, I thought this had a different vibe, kind of had like a little bit more of a kind of like an aggressive tone to it. You know, it didn't have like the bright and sunny feel of some of the other songs. It was a little bit more of a, a passionate type of song that he wrote. I think it builds to a really cool chorus. I, I like the chorus. Um, just another impressive original song. And I, I, I mean, I gotta get, I gotta, I gotta give Paul the, the credit he deserves for, for putting these, these original songs together that sound like they could have come from that era. Yeah. Save me from you written by Paul Stanley. You're right. Another original track, another late 70s sounding, you know, this one reminds me of the little, little sound effects. He's adding into his track, little stuff, little Motown production. It's reflections in love child. Yes, Supreme. So, whoop, 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 whoop. Yep. Like those little, yep. little, little sound earworms, as Sonny would call them. Yeah, yeah. That you can hear in the song. 
I fucking love that from from those songs on the Supremes, those later Supreme songs like Reflections mm-hmm. and uh, Love Child. Oh my God, this is uh, a Paul Kiss voice he's using his yeah. his his uh, vocal stylings. Another great bridge, but there is a major, major Tom and Zeus go <laughs> in this song. Do you know what part? Ooh. I- Shame on you, girl. <laughs> yes. Yes. Shame on you, girl. Settle down. Oh, oh my goodness. Yep. Oh, yeah. But a good, catchy production, music, background. Yep. Fucking Paul came up with this. It's almost like he could have fucking worked on the Barry Gordy assum- assembly line with Holland, Dozier, and Holland there. And, um, Whitfield and Norman Whitfield and the rest of those guys. Those guys like Barry Strong and Norman Whitfield, those guys were machines and Smokey Robinson, all those guys just taking songs and be like, okay, we'll give this one the four tops. Okay, we'll give this one to the fucking Temptations. All right, this one will go to Martha and the Venda or whatever. Like it, it was, it's Paul could do that. You know what like pisses that me? Good. You know what pisses me off as a Kiss fan is that. When you when you look at what what the, the what put Kiss on the map, you know those, those original albums in the in the in the those types of songs that we love, you know, "Come On and Love Me" and "Strutter" and you know whatever, like all those songs. What were you trying to do with an album like Monster? I don't want to turn this into a monster review, but just like why not? You know that you that those songs that you wrote for Monster were not what you are good at. He can write a hooky, catchy song at the drop of a hat. Something like here, like tomorrow and tonight. A fucking chorus, a catchy melodic. That's what we wanted. That's why I get the credibility about. Oh, this is a heavy song. We can still play heavy at our age. Oh no, but that just frustrated me because the original songs on here are standouts. But anyways, we'll go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. We got another cover here, Just My Imagination, uh, by The Temptations. This song, 
I love the original. And I, I got to give Paul credit again here. He sounds great. He does. I, I, I you know, again, when I see a cover song, that's what I'm like. Yeah. Yikes. Okay. This one. I like it. The music carries it. I think it might cover up and just maybe distract you from anything that you might not like from his vocals, but I, I I'm a fan of this one. It also helps. that I like the original a lot. Just my imagination running away from me. 1971 written by Norman Whitfield and Barrett strong. People we were just talking about, they were the hit writers for the temptations at that, by this point. Okay. So they were writing, it went from Smokey Robinson and them doing like my girl for him. And then they moved on to Norman and he was the main guy for them. And he was a fucking hit making machine. And by this point, okay. What's the name was already gone. Um, David Ruffin was already gone. And Dennis was now, Dennis Edwards was in the band. And this was the last song that had Eddie Kendricks. And mm-hmm. Paul Williams, a.k.a. Dr. Dre. If you ever see what Paul Williams looks like, it looks like Dr. Dre. Well, Dr. Yep. Dre looked like him. Yep. Um, he had major problems, health problems, so that was the last part. And Paul Williams only did that part where, every night on my knees I pray. He only did that part. Yep. But the problem with this song, oh, by the way, it was a number one single, and it was a number one R&B. The problem with this version on this album is this is my favorite song of all the cover songs. Oh, okay. And it's hard for me to be like, okay. Okay. There's the other part to this is that Eddie Kendricks can, it has one of the most beautiful, soulful voices. That fucking voice of his mm-hmm. is incredible. Eddie Kendricks. Not many people can ever replicate that. So he's known for this song. This was his signature song. And and then it's the last one that associates with the end of an era for the temptations because him and Paul left. Now, Paul Stanley does a good job on this. Eddie Kendricks, you can hear him over the music. Yeah. Paul is a little bit lower along with the music and he covers it. Okay. The music is almost identical. So you could take the track, put them probably side by side. You'd be like, oh, all right, I think this is a new one. Oh, this is the old one. The music is incredible. Yep. Paul's got the falsetto going. It's just, I, I like it. It's not bad. But again, I'm I'm like, you know, Paul, Paul Stanley is no Eddie Kendricks. No. And no. the music's phenomenal. It's accurate. The back and vocals, everything is on point. But this one part, and you can tell that he can't do this. And this is the part where I felt like there was a hiccup okay. in his singing, that he can't do it. So, like, maybe they're doing this in spurts. Whereas, can he do it live and sing this all the way through? Mm-hmm. So, there's a part in the song that I always remember that they talk, mind you, the song's about a guy, which sounds like a fucking stalker nowadays, but back then it was like a, a oh, beautiful little song about a daydreamer about dreaming about this beautiful woman. And he pictures this life with her, but it's just in his head. And they give that away in the end of the song. But he, in the original is build the cozy little home out in the country with two children, maybe three. Paul can't do that. Yep. So, I'm listening for it. And if you listen to the track, Paul can't go with a cozy little home out in the country. It's like a home 
country, two children, maybe three, like two children, three. Like he has to skip over it because he can't hit it all and breathe and right. sing it right. That's because yep, yep. I just know this song inside and out. Yeah. So well that I know when I listen to Paul, dude, I could pick up that he can't do it. Yeah. Or it didn't come out that way. Maybe he just skipped it because it's easier to do it this way in his way so that when he has to do it live, he can do it that way. Right. Whatever. But yep. I just I picked up that that up a little bit. But it's a very good version of a good song. But it's like, oh, you did, he did a great remake of The Godfather. But why? Exactly. Yep. Right. So yep. that's how I see it. Anyway, next track. So we have whenever you're ready, another original. Holy shit. If you, uh, uh, oh God, I got such one of my all time favorites from this era is ain't no mountain high enough with Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. If you know that song and you love that song, when you hear this song here, God damn. Again, how is he writing this as an original? It's fantastic. Her vocals were so amazing that it it was like, I was almost like moved when she was singing in this. And then to hear him come in, I was like, fucking hey, that's the star child nailing this song right now. And I was like, I'll be honest with you. I was begrudgingly like fucking Paul, man, you did it. Like you did it. Like this is, this is great. And another, another original. Whenever you're ready, I'm here. Written by Paul Stanley. You're right. Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell But it's not The song you're thinking about Okay It's your all I need That's a great one too Yes Yep Yep And if you listen to these lyrics Whenever you hear I'm here At the end To get by That part is the I'm here It's exactly That's where I think he's getting his Inspiration And and from You would have I have no idea That this was a cover that lady's vocal Whoever that is I don't know which of these two ladies I probably should have read that Figured it out By the time it went on It makes me want to figure out If she's got any solo material And exactly. hear what she sounds like And I'd probably be interested In purchasing something from her mm-hmm. The back and forth Is that beautiful I have um, Marvin Gaye and Timmy Terrell's greatest hits I love that shit The me two too. of them back and forth And they're trading off lines It's Fucking just like that. Paul does a great job going back and forth. Or she's got such a soulful voice. Oh. oh my God, this song worked. 
Yep. It, it's like the voice of an angel. This duet worked. Uh, I just, you're all I need to get by is one of my favorite Motown songs of all time. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a, a great homage to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just, and of course, music, background singers, all that stuff. Yep. It's redundant at this point, but it's all fucking off the chain. Yep. Let's go to the next one. I think you've heard it. of my tears um cover song uh, everybody knows this one smoky robinson and the miracles eh, didn't do it for me here this is this was kind of a rough one for me and again I, I i don't know if it's because it's such an iconic classic that i've heard a million times i it wasn't bad it just this song right here was what i was afraid the whole album would be like mm-hmm. and it it, so far it wasn't but th- this 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 just didn't do it for me it's not horrible but it's a little karaoke-ish as opposed to some of the other covers that we've heard so far i just didn't do it for me too much on this one track of my tears 1965 went up to written by Smokey robinson pete moore and marv tarplin pete moore aka warren moore Number two in the R&B, number 16 in the singles. I cannot believe this was not a number one smash. That's when I hear this song, I think of one thing. Do you know what that is? The Big Chill soundtrack? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's on that. But I know. I don't either, but I, I, I remember that. Chill. I, I remember that, that That soundtrack was all Motown, but anyways. I know. It's, I know. I just remember Ain't Too Proud to Beg is the kitchen scene where they're making like a salad. Yes. Middle-aged goons yep. are like, ooh. Yep. Middle-aged white people dancing yep. to it. I think of Platoon. Oh, shit, yes. Oh, God, how did I forget that? Yep. Platoon. That's what I think of it. Yep. The falsetto is distracting in this song. That's exactly that. You you said it the way I could not say it. Yes, distracting. The music in the background is beautiful. Everything's great about it. I'm not a musician. I, I like certain things, but this is something that I feel like somebody would say, he's singing this in the wrong key. Yep. And I don't know when people are like, oh, he's got this key and that key and that key. Like, I feel like it's just not there. He's doing his best falsetto. Nothing cracks, nothing breaks. The musicianship is great. It's just, uh, I'm not sure. Yep. I hear you. Yeah. So let's get to the next one. I'm 
Together, the legendary track by Al Green. Eh, I don't know if it was be- I don't, again, kind of like with tracks of my tears. I don't know if it's this song is just certain songs you just shouldn't try to do. And to me, this is just one of those genre type songs that you just shouldn't try to do. It's just too iconic. It's too classic. It's too much. It, 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 it would be like somebody. You know, it would be like a you know, a country artist try to cover, you know, "Welcome to the Jungle" or something. It just just don't do it. <laughs> I, I just I just thought it was I just thought he tried a little too hard on this one, and it uh, it again the music carries some of the weak spots vocally, but yeah, didn't do too much for me. That's kind of a a double whammy. Tracks of my tears and let's stay together was eh. Let's stay together, nineteen seventy two. Obviously, Al Green song written by Al Green, Willie Mitchell, and Al Jackson Jr. Number one single, number one R and B. This is kind of like fucking winger trying to do Purple Haze. That's actually a better analogy. There you go. You've yep. got to have some big balls to say, "Oh, I can do this." Exactly. And be able to be like, "Yeah, I did a version of it," and yep. you're like, without someone looking at you and go, "Why?" That's exactly that's Why, exactly what I thought off with the with the perfect version that was out there. Right. But if Don't. you like doing it and you perform it live and you say, okay, well, we're gonna put our instrumentation behind it and give our version of it. Okay. Um, it's not bad though. I don't think he does a bad job because he 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 doesn't overdo the is uh, what I feel. He's not overdoing the falsetto stuff. Yeah, because Al Green's voice voice does have a little falsetto in this song, but it's a little growling. He's got that soulful part in it. Yes. So Paul's not really using falsetto throughout this, so it's not as bad as "Track of My Tears," where he's trying to hit the falsetto throughout the whole song. And <laughs> the musicianship—it's just you can't tell. It's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. The backing singers are fantastic. It just—they do a wonderful job. Paul does a woo. Part of this, all I can think of is Sherman Clump when he does Teddy Pendergrass. Oh, Sherman Clump, (laughs) the clumps. 
All right. Let's go to the next track. It does. <laughs> Another cover by the Delphonics. What a great band name that is. We're kind of on a bad streak for me here. Mm-hmm. The song itself is average for me personally. So with Paul trying to do something to it, it, it again, like the other songs, the, 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 the musicianship and the arrangements are, are, are making it listenable for me vocally. It's not terrible. It's just not a, a strong one here. Uh, you know, a lot of these covers, I think, are are, are s- struggles for me to get through. Not because he's really bad at it. It's just, like you said, you, you're trying to cover iconic songs. I know this isn't a particularly iconic song, but it's still a cover. And it's just, eh, for me. <laughs> La La means I love you. Delphonics, 1968, Tom Bell and William Hart. Uh, number four is a single and number two in the R and B. This was in one of my favorite and very underrated movie, the Delph- uh, Delphonics. They had two songs in the movie. The one is bigger known, but this song was in Jackie Brown. Oh, yes. Oh, Remember how big yeah. the Delphonics were when she plays yes. the record? And it's always like the theme in the background, but it's more. Didn't I blow your mind? This that song's that great. song's better. Yes. Way that's better. A- that's so a great song. I've never heard this song before. Okay. I can tell you right now, I'm just not a fan of the song. Yep. Does Paul sound like he's brutal in the song? No, it just, I'm not, I don't really like the song. And the falsetto, all right, Paul, I'm getting a little tired of it. I'm yeah. getting a little much. Yep. It's a little it's a, much. It's a, it's a lot. Yep. Agreed. So, yeah, let's move on. Hopefully things pick up. Thank you. 
Yeah, they don't pick up. <laughs> the- <laughs> this is this is Lorelai, an original. This is just not good. I, I I don't know. Maybe you can help me because I you're you are the Motown guru. I don't know what he's going for here because I, I don't understand the groove of this song or the vibe of it. It, it I don't. It just doesn't fit. the The chorus is okay, but the verses and stuff. I'm I'm just not feeling it. I don't know. Again, maybe you can help me with what angle he was coming at with this in terms of the genre, because I don't get it. I got it. Okay. Lorelei written by Paul Stanley. So I try, so I try, so I try, so I try. Since I lost my baby, since I lost my baby. Okay. That's, that's how I feel like he's going for. But he loses, he gets minus points in this song for having a stupid girl name. You know <laughs> how I feel about these. Dude, I thought of that. Lorelei. Okay. <laughs> fucking take that. Take your fucking shandy and shove them up your fucking ass. Okay. But I the knew, song's I, not bad. I knew it's you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. It's a little four tops temptation, the background backing singers singing back the callbacks and stuff. Yeah. That's what it, that's what it's. it's yeah. Singing echoing Lorelai, Lorelai. I just think maybe it was his voice, his, the, the, the tone of his voice that didn't do it. I don't it for think me it was a bad moment. song. It's catchy, a little bit yeah. catchy. Yeah. And I like that. And think about it. Since I lost my baby, yeah. since I lost my baby. Okay. That's what he was going for. But okay. Anyways, next. Another cover here. This is You Are Everything, originally done by the Stylistics. Um, this is this is a good one. We we pick it up here for me. I like this original and I like this version. I think the vocals sound really good. Music again carries this. Um, I think Paul kind of steps it up on this one after the kind of a, the few duds in a row for me at least. Again, maybe it helps that I'm a fan of this song, but I think Paul sounds good. The band sounds very good. Uh, this this was this was a good one for me. You are everything from the stylistics, 1971. It's a Philly soul group. Tom, the song was written by Tom Bell and Linda Creed, number four in the U.S. singles, number 10 on R&B. <sighs> First of all, my hopes are up. I thought this was you are, You're My Everything from The Temptations, which is an awesome oh, yeah. duet between David Ruffin and Eddie Kendricks. 
but it's not. I don't know this song. I'll be honest with you. So I heard it. It's not bad. It's a soulful song, you know, but Paul's falsetto, it's back. It is. Um, it's just, there's one f- part that I found a little bit funny, but there's a little bit of the uh, shot through the heart oh, yeah. too, where everything <laughs> stops and it's just the drum. Yep. yep. And it's like, you are everything and everything is you. I was, I can totally picture this. Like, it's like a hand song, like the back singers are doing you. Are oh yeah. Everything <laughs> and everything <laughs> is you. Like they have like a routine dance about pointing their fingers at you. Yep. And then the, everything's like a circle and they go back to the circle and then they go back to like, <laughs> it's just, yep. What the fuck? Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I just not a big fan of this song, but anyways, let's wrap it up with the last song. I need your loving the standout track by the four tops. This is fucking awesome. That's all I can say. I, I love the original. The everybody knows the original. Everybody should love the original. They nail this one. They what a great, great way to end the album. They friggin' nail it. He sounds great. The background singers again with the arrangement and the musicianship of the song. Paul sounds terrific. This is a stellar way to end the album. They they ended it with an exclamation point. This this came out really really nice. Yeah, the four tops are great. Yep. They are the um, I don't know how can say you know the Rolling Stones Beatle fucking battle that they do between the Temptations and them. I, the Temptations are just a much better band because they can all five of those guys could sing. Yep. Whereas the four tops, Levi Stubbs is just his voice is just an angel and he's you know the other guys are just the backing singers Mm -hmm. and they're fantastic and stuff but and this is one of this was their first motown hit it went number 11 as a single don't know where it went on the r&b charts and this was a holland dozier holland classic brian holland lamont dozier and edward holland jr that those three fucking writing geniuses i can't tell you how many fucking classic Supremes four tops songs those guys did. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my god, those guys are probably gazillionaires from all their music being in so many movies and mo- videos and stuff. It's a great song, it's just mm-hmm. a really great song. <clears throat> um, the problem he has is in this, <laughs> this is the stuff that I was telling you about that the David Ruffin soulful passion was yes. for his woman. Paul can't pull this off. Like he can't. That, that is he, a negative. He does a great singing of it. He can do it. 
But Levi Stubbs is like, you know, baby, I need your love. And he's like, like, you know. Yep. Or or David Ruffman's, I ain't too proud to beg. Like, you know, it's mm-hmm. all that shit is just, it pulls at you. You can feel it. You can feel his ache. Yep. Certain country singers have that ache in their voice. Certain rock singers fucking just, you, you feel it. I, for me, you know how it works. Like, that's why I like some of those grunge guys. Different from the hair metal guys because they fucking meant those words and they're passionate about it. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get really passionate about fucking bang bang you. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, but baby, I need your love, and it's a great version. They do a very good job on it. It's just, you know, how do you compare? Like, you're comparing it to one of the greatest ever of all time and one of the best. Motown hits of all time. Yep. They do a great job. So I know this is the last track, but I think they ended it on a high note. I'm in agreement with you. I like that they did it this way. And, uh, you know, it makes me be like, oh, okay, cool. Great way to end the great way to end the album. So yep. now that that's done, Tom, mind if we give a, like an, Overlapping kind of analysis Of what we just heard Sure go ahead you kick it off for us So I will tell you I love This music I was Worried the first thing I told you about Was I had that fucking Dreading like oh is Paul gonna fucking Butcher this is this gonna be bad is this Gonna be where all the Paul people go oh he can't Sing this why is he trying to sing Motown or soul music when he lost His voice he the album Sounds fantastic now can he do it live I don't know the album is fantastic. The music, just for the music, is incredible. Just for the backing, the horns, the singers, the fucking instrument instruments on this album is incredible. And Paul does a very good job. The new tracks, fantastic, as always. Paul does a great job. It doesn't matter that it's not fucking I Just Wanna or um, Mr. Speed. These songs that he did are still catch as hell. There are some great tracks in there. There's some great versions. There's nothing in here that I'm like, that's fucking horrible. There were some bold attempts at some stuff that eh, I'll give him, you know, I'll pat him on the back for saying good effort. But overall, very happy to hear this album. The the bar was kind of low. He way went over the bar for me. Okay. So I agree with almost pretty much everything you just said right there. I went into this very, very, very low expectations, very low expectations. Um, because it's just not something that I want to hear from Paul Stanley. It's just not what I want to hear. And we said this earlier in the episode, I love this kind of music. So I'm like, God, you're taking the lead singer of my favorite band of all time, and he's going to try to sing a genre that is the polar opposite of what he's doing. Why is he doing this? What is what's why is he doing this? That being said, if he set out to make an album like this, he fucking nailed it. And I gotta give credit where credit is due. He nailed it. And kudos to him. Bravo to him. He nailed it. I wish there were more original tracks and and less covers because the original tracks are fucking amazing on this album. 
they are amazing. Like you said, he made some bold attempts at some covers that didn't quite make it. So that's kind of, I wish maybe he pulled back on some of the covers, maybe a little less falsetto as well. Now, I don't own this. I have it on my phone for Apple Music. I'm probably not going to buy it. And I don't know when I'll go out of my way to consciously listen to it again. You know, the music, like you said, it carries this album where you want to hear it because the music is so great. The music is so great. But I, I just don't know if this is going to be like, ah, oh, you know what? I, I, I think I'm going to put on Soul Station today. Maybe I will. I, I, I play this for my wife. She loves Kiss. She's a Kiss fan. She loves Paul Stanley. She's been to a couple shows with us. Uh, and she loves this kind of music, too. It took her three songs to realize that it was Paul Stanley. Now, again, she doesn't listen to Kiss every day like we yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like, she loved it. She loved, could I be, could it be I'm falling in love? The IOI, like, baby, I need your love and loved it. So there is an audience out there for this. I just don't know who it is. I know you hinted at it at the beginning. R&B fans aren't going to be like, oh, I got to get Paul Stanley's R&B album. And Kiss fans are going to be like, what the fuck am I doing listening to this? So it, it was probably a passion project for him and good for him. He deserves that. He's almost 70 years old. In summary, very impressed. He nailed it. And I have to give him kudos for it. it it's, a, it's a job well done. And I found myself enjoying a lot of it. Yeah, I'm not going to penalize him for me being pissed off that he didn't do another Kiss album. I'm not going to begrudge him for all that stuff. I look at it in and of itself. I fucking love this. Yep. And would I listen to it again? Hell yeah. There's certain okay. tracks I'll fucking go out of my way to put on to listen yeah. to. Okay. Um, it's one of those things, if I'm listening to some Motown stuff, I'll throw this on the mix. Nobody yep. will give me shit and be like, oh, what the fuck is this version? <laughs> Nobody would probably know. I was just going to say, people, you'll probably even know. No. Um, I think it's a great version, you know, maybe one or two extra tracks, but you know me, I always like, I'd rather have a track in and let me skip it than you not put it on. I think what he was trying to do is like, Hey, we do a 14 song set. These are our songs we do in our set. You come want to want to come see us play. We do a soul music and I love this music and I love doing let's stay together. So, you know what? We'll put that on the album. Okay. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, I don't think this is the end of soul station. The feedback he's getting and the sales this is getting, Soul Station's not going anywhere. We'll see. We'll see if it's just one day and one week yeah. or something. We'll see if it picks up. Yep. Um, kudos to him. Yep. But here comes the fun part, Tom. We start ranking these songs. Okay. So you want to go first or should I? I'll kick it off. Number 14 uh, for you. Number 14 for me is Lorelei. Lorelei. Okay. Yes. Number 14 for me is La 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 means I don't love this song. That's my 13. Okay. So La La is your 13. Yes. Number 13 for me is I do. Okay. So number 12 for me is let's stay together. Love the song, but just not this version. Okay. Uh, number 12 for me. Ooh, baby. Okay. Uh, number 11 for me. Similar as number 12, Tracks of My Tears. Love the song. It's not this version. Okay. Um, Number 11 for me, You Are Everything. Okay. Number 10 for me is Ooh, Baby, Baby. Okay. Um, Number 10 for me, Could It Be I'm Falling in Love? Wow. Okay. 
Number nine for me is I do. Uh, number nine for me is Lorelai. Number eight, you are everything. Number eight for me, let's stay together. Number seven, save me. Number seven, tracks of my tears. Number six, just my imagination. Number six, baby, I need your loving. Number five. Ooh, child. (laughs) Um, Number five for me, just my imagination. Okay. Uh, Number four. Could it be I'm falling in love? Number four for me, save me. And then the top three was very tough for me, but I, I went, I put the cover third. So number three is baby. I need your loving. Um, number three, I, O, I. So my number two is the beautiful duet original. Whenever you're ready. Uh, number two for me. Ooh, child. (laughs) And then my number one props to this wonderful original track. I, O, I. Uh, number one for me, whenever you're ready, I'm here. I fucking love that song and I will play it and I will seek it out. Yeah, it's good. That good. It's very good. Yep. 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 So Tom, we're not done yet. We have to compare this against the previous reviewed albums by kiss members outside of kiss reviewed two albums so far reviewed Vinnie Vincent's all systems go. And we've also reviewed, uh, Ace Fraley's Trouble Walking. First, we always go to the album cover. Do you remember how we ranked these? I believe we both ranked these as number one, Vinnie Vincent, All Systems Go, and then number two, Trouble Walking. Mm-hmm. Where do you put Paul Stanley's Soul Station? I'm actually going to put this number one, to be honest with you. Really? Yeah, I think it's kind of a cool album cover. I think Paul looks kind of neat. You know, I mean, look, Ace Frehley's ugly mug, that's going to stay last. And all systems, all systems go, all systems go has a cool graphic, but I don't know. I kind of like the vibe of this cover with all the musicians gathered around him. I think it's kind of cool. Wait a minute. (laughs) You're telling me that Ace Frehley is not a handsome man? No. Plus, Soul Station's got to be number one because it has that. Sonny Pooney variant guy sitting over on the right side of the cover. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it has hipster Eric Singer. Yeah, I I will rank mine. I'm going to keep Vinny at the top. Okay, because number one Vinny reason Vinny's album is at the top is because Vinny's not on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good reason. I like this. Uh, album cover i do yeah i think yeah. it's sharp different personalities different people you're people watching you're looking at all the characters and everything it's actually interesting yes so i like it yep. yeah so this is number two for me okay. and uh <laughs> ace fraley pre-muppet is number three <laughs> exactly oh, all right God. now comes to the fun part we had ranked both of us 
the same thing. All systems go number one and trouble walking number two. Where does Soul Station, Paul Stanley Soul Station, now and then album go? Okay. I'm not even going to, I'm not going to try to pretend that this is going to be anywhere other than last. And I don't mean to, and I don't mean to be that. And so you're putting it up against all systems go, which in my opinion is a Mount Rushmore eighties hair metal, glam metal album. That album is fucking amazing. Trouble walking my favorite Ace Freely album by far. Okay. And though they're, they're rock albums. I, I like, look, I like this album. I thought I was going to have to struggle myself, struggle my way through this review. I did. And, and I was like, fuck, like, this is going to suck. I enjoyed listening to the album. I enjoyed doing the review with you. I had fun with it. I give credit to Paul much, much, much better than I expected. And, and I give him credit for that. And it was a pleasant surprise, but it's still Paul doing Motown stuff. So I, I, yeah, it, it can't, it's not, it's almost not fair ranking it against all systems going trouble walking for me. Okay. Well, for me, Tom, uh, say goodbye to Ace at number two. He's moving down. Okay. I'm not surprised. I, I thought and, that. And here's why I will go to listen to a couple tracks specifically on Paul's before I would go to listen to a couple tracks on Ace's album. Okay. There's some, that's, that's fair. <laughs> There's a couple bad songs on that Ace fucking album. No, there are. Um, nothing on this one. It's songs that I'm like, eh, I don't really like, but they're nothing like, oh. Yeah. Um, I, can't so, wait for you to, I can't wait for you to take a beating from the listeners that you rank this ahead of Trouble Walking. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Ooh, <laughs> the Ace. Ace is the best. Ace, yeah. And, and you know <laughs> the other reason, Tom? Honestly? Why? Fuck Ace. Trouble walking, <laughs> knocking out my fucking favorite Peter what? Chris. Didn't he knock out Peter Chris? Oh, Freely's Comet knocked him out. Trouble oh, walking, fuck him then too. Trouble, trouble walking, knocked out Millennium Concert. Fuck him. <laughs> Regardless, <laughs> fucking Freely's Comet. Oh, Freely's Comet. <laughs> oh, Anton Sig. Oh. Oh, yeah, Richie, Scar- Richie Scarlet. Yeah, fucking the Emperors of Rock. <laughs> Ace number one. Yeah, oh. I'm fucking number one. Where the fuck am I? With this Motown shit. <laughs> fucking ridiculous crap. Here. I used to listen to The Cream. They were favorite band of mine. I don't have this album, but I don't remember. What were we talking about again? Smokey Robinson. I, I used to have a roadie named Smokey, but I don't think it was the same guy. <laughs> anyway, Tom, what we usually do next is we go to this. Hi, this is Ed Spansberg of ClickTeaShop.com, and for all your shouted out loudcast gear and merchandise, please visit ClickTeaShop.com. At Click T Shop, you can find lots of Kiss inspired t shirt designs, plus mugs, hats, hoodies, pillows, and all new fine art selections. And now, here's your question of the week. So, the question of the week is a combination email and question from our good friend Lance Lumley, who has showing his writing prowess every once in a while with us. And he's got a good email. It's a little bit long, 
but it combines with a question. So bear with me here. This is good stuff. Wanted to give you guys food for thought after your last episode, Saint and Sinner. I know you didn't cover the total relationship with Gene and Paul, but I was thinking about some things. Number one, with Gene's love of money, it would shock me that Kiss would tour until there is a 100% or close to that allowance of fans. The expense of putting on a show like Kiss puts on wouldn't make sense for the crew members and their families if it was only half filled. Yet Paul is willing to play some clubs for Soul Station. Is Gene not willing to budge doing a club tour with his solo band because of not generating the money he wants or is used to? Number two, Gene has been saying things like rock is dead, fans kill the industry. Paula said there's no need for no, for new Kiss album, but is promoting a project that isn't Kiss. Gene also has been talking less about music and more about business, and last year claims he was moving and selling a home due to taxes. Could there possibly be a rift with Paul and Gene now where they want to get away from each other after all the years of just tolerating each other by keeping busy with touring and making albums, and this pandemic was the breaking point? Maybe there's something we're not seeing, even with a record label, and that they don't want a Kiss record. Or the fact that Paul seems happy with this new project because he's getting away from Gene. Eric Singer is in Soul Station, yet Tommy wasn't. We know that Tommy has ties to Gene from the Black and Blue days. Could there be a rift with Gene and Paul and Tommy is, quote, Gene's guy? I hate to suggest it, especially with so many fans waiting for the rest of the tour and the cruise, but do you think there is an underlying rift that we don't know about where Gene and Paul reach the end of tolerating each other since they're not touring and bringing in money like they used to, and this is the reason that Paul is ignoring his history with the band? I don't want to sound pro-Paul here because I'm not, but just was thinking about maybe there's something else here I had a lot of free time on my hands while listening. Great work, guys. Thanks for bringing me entertainment when I need it. Lovely Lance Lumley. Okay, a lot to unpack there, and I think he brings up some excellent points. Whether you're a conspiracy theorist, a fan, or whatever, what do you take from some of that? I think a lot of it's conspiracy, and he's just putting it all together. Paul has been quoted as saying that him and Gene have never been closer. I truly believe that at a point in their careers that they don't need to. Less is still more they see each other they appreciate each other for what they are they actually been able to probably communicate their affection and love for one another i don't think that matters to them anymore i think family matters they're more like it's a more um i don't know protective like you know what you mean when you're with your friends in your 20s and now you're friends with in your 40s and early 50s your friendships are you though you don't hang out with your friends as long as much it's 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 a tighter bond it's and i think that's what these guys got and they're on the record for saying how much they're closer now and they get along great so i don't think there's any problem i do agree with that eric is paul's guy and tommy is gene's guy i do agree with that yeah but in the end i think that gene has no problem with eric and i think paul has no problem with tommy which is a good thing um, I just think that they're at the point in their careers. They like they know if they ever need anything, they come back to the kiss, uh, the kiss cash cow, and they have it forever they need. And then they are now building off their own stuff. And I think Paul, Gene is the type that like when Paul probably gets a little passive aggressive and puts his shit like Soul Station up front, that Gene's not gonna. He knows he did his shit in the back in, in the eighties and stuff. That he, Gene's not gonna give him crap about it. Uh, it's, it's, it's good points. And look, I, I'm a conspiracy theory by guy, by, by, by conspiracy guy by nature. I think, uh, 
it's kind of entertaining. So I'm not going to say that everything that Lance wrote is a conspiracy theory. Some of it could be circumstantial evidence that makes it entertaining for us to talk about. First of all, I want to thank him and I appreciate that long message and email. He's got some great points in there. Um, about what you said about how Paul has never said they've never been closer. Sometimes that for me, that kind of falls under that category, you know, that old saying, you know, doth thou protest too much kind of thing. Like, Oh no, 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 no. We really got, we were like brothers. We never got along better than this. Like, eh, okay. Is that window dressing? Because people like us think that you're not getting along again, circumstantial kind of conspiracy talk. The, the whole thing with, with, with Gene being uh, Tommy being Gene's guy, Eric being, I look, I said at the beginning of the episode, I still find it interesting that we haven't heard one word from Eric and I don't know who who's in charge of that. If that's Eric's thing or if that's Paul's thing. One thing I do want to comment on is the prospect of kiss touring with half empty venues. You bring up a great point. I shared this with our text group. My wife is a huge Kenny Chesney fan. And every summer we make it a huge event. He plays Gillette stadium in Foxborough where the Patriots play. We go every summer. She got me into him. The shows are fantastic. They're like rock concerts, big parties. We have a great time last year. Obviously the show was canceled because of COVID in August this year. Unfortunately, Kenny Chesney has already postponed his entire tour and he tours at football stadiums throughout the country, sells out 70, 80,000 people. And his, one of his big points in canceling the tour was that I can't play in a stadium that allows 50% capacity, 40% capacity, because then how do we determine which of my fans can go and which of my fans can't go? So to me, that's a horrible sign going forward with concerts because we don't know if, when they're going to be a hundred percent. I think Lance brings up a good point. I don't think, first of all, I don't think Kiss is torn to begin with, and I don't think they're going to be torn at 50%. I don't think mm-hmm. they're going to do that. I think because of the logistics that go into a Kiss show, is it going to be worth their while? Um, so I did want to comment on that. And, uh, and, and Paul playing the clubs with soul station. We talked about that. That's easy to do. That's easy. You could sell general admission tickets and make it 50% capacity, you know, 30% capacity. You could do that. Look, I hope that there's nothing going on with Paul and Gene. They're older now. COVID has done a hell of a a hell of a thing to everybody, including them. Paul's being productive, and I give him credit for that. Gene's not. That's his own thing. He's a family guy now. A lot to unpack there, but I just want to. I want to thank Lance for the question. Great stuff, Dan. We appreciate that. Yep. Thank you, Lance and um, Tom. Where do, where can people find us? So yeah, our email address is uh, shoutitoutloudcast at gmail.com, shoutitoutloudcast at gmail.com. Best place to reach us. We love reading the emails on air. As you can tell, we read Lance's there. Um, and we're on all the social medias, and that's probably the best place to get in touch with us too. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, very, very interactive there. You can send us d- DMs on all those platforms. Um, those are great too. And uh, we're part of the great Pantheon podcast of uh, of network of shows. All different kinds of shows on there. We're proud to be part of that family. Uh, so check us out. And uh, as heard during the question of the week, our buddy Ed from Click T Shop, part of the Shout It Out Loudcast family as well. So um, lots of places to uh, to reach us. Yeah. And don't forget to give us one of those five star, star. child reviews on iTunes. We greatly appreciate those. Uh, and if you get a chance, take a look at our Patreon account. See if there's anything there that might interest you. We appreciate that. Any questions, you can always email us with comments at shoutitoutloudcast at gmail.com. Shoutitoutloudcast at gmail.com. You can send us direct messages anytime on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. 
and you can find us on any podcast platform. If there's a podcast platform you use that you can't find us on, let us know. And please also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, we like to see that thing grow as well. So whatever you can do, uh, any questions, you can always reach out to us. So thank you for that. And Tom, we always end up with famous last words. You got any? Once I believed I should hide all my feelings deep inside, but you lose when you do. Now I can give all I'm taking this promise I'm making. Ooh. Should I do it like this? People say I'm the light. No, I'm not doing that the whole way. People say I'm the life of the party. Because I tell a joke or two. Although I might be laughing loud and hearty, deep inside, I'm blue. Aw, poor Zeus. (laughs) (laughs) Tito, get me some tissue. Jermaine, stop teasing. Uh, Tom, thank you. Shout it out, Loudcasters. Thank you. Kiss Army, thank you. Soul Station members, thank you. Guys, thank you so much. Um, this was a ton of fun. Pleasant surprise on my part. Uh, can't wait to hear feedback from you guys. Uh, so this is going to be interesting. So, guys, thank you so much. Zeus, as always, my partner in crime, thank you. Peace out, Girl Scout. <clears throat> I'm going to let a fucking burp and a half go. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Fuck. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck, dude? <laughs> we love you. Good It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 